Welcome to this episode of Miss Law Explains Things. So welcome back okay, to uh, term 3 and we're going to get stuck into the issue of actually demerit goods. So you might not have actually heard of it yet but we're going to be talking about it soon, uh, very soon in class. And I just wanted to actually focus on this particular article for this week which is actually Singapore's fight against smoking. So the article that I'm using today is actually from Channel News Asia and it's entitled the year Singapore attempts to snuff out tobacco. So very interestingly, just a couple of years ago in 2018, Singapore actually embarked on a slew of aggressive measures to drive down the smoking rate. So as we know, what we have learned about smoking is that number one, it is actually a negative consumption externality. Because not only does it actually cause you know lung cancer in the form of marginal private costs, it also causes marginal external costs in the form of secondhand smoke, resulting in actually reduced air quality levels as well as reduced health levels and healthcare costs of the people living around those who smoke. So very clearly, it's quite uh, evident that actually tobacco consumption or smoking, the activity of smoking, generates marginal external costs. So that we know for a fact. How about also the fact that there is some degree of information failure and this is actually a very new uh, concept that some of us might be going into because in the context of um, tobacco as well as cigarettes, a lot of smokers may actually overestimate their true marginal private benefit of smoking because they do not know the true costs, for example of actually all of the lung cancer that they might actually suffer from due to prolonged uh, cigarette consumption. So in that sense, both the imperfect information overestimating the true uh, MPB as well as the negative externality results in the problem of overconsumption. So basically, we just consume too much of the bad things, the page you put it very sim- simply. And these are known as demerit goods because they are viewed as not being socially desirable. So they are not socially desirable from society's perspective and they are over-consumed due to two sources of market failure. So as a result, Singapore has actually embarked on a whole series of various types of strategies okay, to make it harder for people to light up or to even start smoking. Because as the article says, it has been painted as a socially unacceptable and undesirable activity. So some of the policies that Singapore actually has engaged in, so that whole, the whole approach has been changing over time, is that there has been the hiking up of excise taxes. So this is basically the sin tax or basically your uh, per unit tax that is imposed on goods with negative externality. So in this case, it's on tobacco products to make uh, smoking more financially costly. And this makes sense. When I impose a tax on a product, it should become more expensive to discourage me, right? from wanting to consume it. So interestingly, that is actually one of the possible policies that was suggested back in 2018 to hike up the tobacco tax so that the smokers can internalize the negative externality of their consumption of cigarettes. However, another kind of policy that was also suggested is actually the Smoking Act. And that is a form of command and control. It's a form of regulation. Okay. So recently, it was actually amended to make it more difficult for people to smoke in public places. Okay, so is this actually an example of total ban? 
Well, in terms of that exact area in which you are unable to smoke, I would say to some degree, but in a broader context, you could view it as a partial ban. So it's not that you cannot smoke at all, but that means your quantity consumed is zero. It's just that you cannot consume as much as you would like to because you can't go to all sorts of places and light up. Okay? So very interestingly, there's actually a comparison, or I would say a contrast, of both a market-based solution as well as a form of regulation. So which one do you think might be more effective? That's something that you might want to consider as you actually uh, continue to analyse this issue. So the amendments to this particular Smoking Act very interestingly increases the scope of the existing regulation because now not only in specific areas, you cannot smoke in reservoirs, parks, compounds of autonomous universities and even public areas within Orchard Road, okay, which was actually implemented in January 2019. So the whole idea is that they are trying to make smoking less, less pleasurable and accessible. So it's more difficult. If you make it more difficult for people to do something, they are going to be less likely to want to do it. It is very easy and they can go anywhere and do it. They are just going to do whatever they want to do. Okay? So another enhancement, right, besides looking at it from the negative externality standpoint, I will also invite you to consider the informational failure aspect of this entire problem. Because one of the enhancements made is also to the Tobacco Act that mandates graphic health warning labels on tobacco product packaging. Okay, so the authorities intended to slap on a mandatory standardized packaging on all tobacco products with enlarged graphic health warning labels. And why do you think they are doing this? This is because of information failure. Because we overestimate our true marginal private benefit of actually consuming uh, tobacco or basically smoking. And therefore, by providing people with information to some degree via regulation, because it is all mandatory to have the packaging on tobacco products, we are providing people with the accurate information about what their true marginal private benefit will be from smoking or consuming tobacco products. And hopefully you are able to bridge the gap between the perceived NPD and the actual NPD. If you can close the gap, then you will no longer be in this situation of perfect versus imperfect information. There will be no divergence between your expectations as well as your reality. Okay? So the whole idea is that you are trying to discourage people from smoking by giving them information and you know dissuading them by putting all of these graphic health warning labels. Okay? So this uh, same tobacco act very interestingly had also in the past uh, earlier banned point of sale uh, display of tobacco products okay that means that you know in order to go and buy some of this, these uh, tobacco products you have to ask people to actually take it from behind the counter so it's not so visible so maybe they were uh, of the of the perspective that if you are unable to see it or it's not so accessible people will be less likely to smoke but of course we know that this is an addictive product okay so another kind of uh, regulation that has kicked in is also a ban on the possession, purchase and use of imitation and alternative tobacco products. Okay, So basically all of these electronic cigarettes for example. And interestingly another kind of regulation that has actually been put in place is the minimum legal age for the purchase of tobacco products and it has been progressively raised. So it used to be 18. Right? And then now it's going to go up to 21. So basically, you're trying to discourage younger people from engaging in smoking via regulation. You're just not making it um, 
easy for them to do so but of course you might argue that there are some loopholes and people might just for example ask their relatives or other people to buy it on their behalf but you're still trying to make it as difficult as possible for the individual person to go and get the cigarettes so interestingly right this whole combination of policies and tobacco control measures is trying to send as the article notes a very clear and consistent simple message which is that smoking is harmful okay and that it remains a leading cause of preventable death worldwide okay so why do you think then that the introduction of any new measure is often met uh, with criticism that is ineffective so singapore is not the only country that has been trying to stamp out smoking okay because a lot of other countries have also been facing similar issues okay so interestingly i think this article mentions something very important which is this concept of best buy okay so best buy is a policy action that has been evaluated to be both cost effective and ought to be implemented okay and these best buys they are saying include both increasing the taxation and price of tobacco products eliminating people's exposure to the second-hand tobacco smoke in indoor workplaces by preventing people from smoking in most places, on public places, public transport, as well as the implementation of the plain or standardised packaging. Basically, they're saying multi-pronged approach. Okay, Best Buy means I need to know that the full extent of the problem is that there's negative externalities, there's also information failure, so I need to use a whole host of policies to tackle this multi-causal problem. Okay. And it also, of course, as the article includes, uh, involves the enactment and enforcement of all of these comprehensive bans on advertising, promotion, and the use of mass media. Okay, so basically, the use of mass media is a form of like education or advertising, right, to educate people about the harms of smoking. So besides putting packaging on the tobacco products itself, of course, you can also kind of scope it wider and ensure that the entire population is kind of quite aware lah, we have a high degree of awareness of the uh, harms of actually tobacco consumption. So interestingly, actually these uh, measures implemented by Singapore have been targeting three uh, types of people, okay, so three groups of people, okay, specifically the non-smokers, uh, the smokers who want to kick the habit and the smokers who presently have no intention to quit. So these are three different groups of people and of course there will be uh, different types of policies that might work better, right? So some people might say that, you know, the entire suite um, of tobacco control measures seems to denormalize the image of smoking to deter people from even starting to do so. And that might actually be the direction in which uh, anti-smoking anti-smoking policies might want to take. So that means before people even start smoking, you actually stem the whole problem, Okay. Because all of these anti-tobacco policies are rele- uh, that are relevant to non-smokers such as the standardised packaging are actually aimed at discouraging them from even starting to do this in the first place. For those of the people who already are smoking and trying to keep the habit, all of these bans and profish on uh, comprehensive prohibition on advertising actually does not uh, really have much impact except that maybe you could think that it minimises their exposure nicotine addiction right and helps them to try and eliminate the usage of this okay so the smoking ban in public areas also creates a lot of uh, psychological disincentive to people who already are smoking because they find it very difficult as i said 
okay to smoke when you actually have less places to do so okay so the point is actually to make it inconvenient and to prevent people from starting to do this uh, all I mean in the first place basically okay so there's a lot of uh, room for improvement okay as uh, various governments have noted okay so basically trying to increase the coverage of some of their policies right and also as they were doing some public consultation about the minimum legal age to smoke okay so a lot of these policies as we can see right is uh, very interesting because they are targeting various parts of a much bigger problem okay but whether or not singapore is be able to deter all of these uh, basically cigarette consumption really boils down i think to uh, a lot of the the mindsets okay of singaporeans okay and also trying to adopt a multi-pronged approach okay to enforce a very strong deterrent okay policy uh, because even though it might be easy to ban some of these specific uh, tobacco products in other countries there's actually a lot of uh, smuggling and uh, illicit trade on contraband cigarettes so in other countries it might create a bit of unintended consequence if people are resorting to the black market to obtain some of these goods but in Singapore, it is not so much of a problem because of uh, the degree of regulation and compliance. So what I would like you to consider is right, the relative merits of each of these approaches to stem the problem of smoking in Singapore right, and to also compare and contrast um, market-based solutions right, versus command and control. Are, are, some, are one type of policy necessarily better? Or are there cases in which we actually need both to adequately address the problem? So I'll be looking at another example in next week's episode. And thank you for listening.